4: Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Devin Leary. And this is Carolina Barlow. (sighs) Ever heard of her? Probably not.
2: Probably not, even though I did that thing where you look at like what people have Googled about you. Like you put in your name and see what comes up.
4: Oh, I've never done that.
2: Please tell me you have so I don't feel alone.
4: I've never thought to do that. I always do like just my name.
2: Okay, well I did my name. What comes up usually is Carolina Barlow... True Romance, Carolina Barlow, Ron Burgundy podcast, Carolina Barlow left hand, because I have an injured left hand that I've been wearing a glove People on. actually Google that? Yes. Who? I don't know, but it's one of the things that comes up when I put in my name. Okay, I'm doing this now. Um, Carolina Barlow car accident, obviously, my my claim to fame. Uh, Carolina Barlow boyfriend, which has always been something that I've. I, I'm hoping that they're they're asking just like I Google like, you know, the Bradley Cooper girlfriend. Um, but there's also Carolina Barlow net worth that comes up sometimes. Beth actually texted it to me. She was like, "Do you know that when you Google your name, Carolina Barlow net worth comes up?" And I was like, "I would love to submit it and be like, uh, yeah, that's gonna be
4: in the three figures." <laughs> Um, I just want to say that when I Google my name, the things that come up are Devin Leary NC State, Devin Leary 24-7, Devin Leary Stats, Devin Leary Leg, Devin Leary Rivals, Devin Leary Podcast. That one's for me. Devin, Devin Leary, Leary College Rivals. Stats. It's all about, yeah, what's my rivals? Um, Devin Leary wants to add to NC State's What the fuck? It's all this football I think player. that you might have a football player, yeah. But what does he look like? Oh no.
1: <laughs>
4: oh no. Okay. Well, that's me. And I'm happy that that's my legacy, I guess.
2: Devin, how's your week going?
4: Um, My week is pretty just like, as my mom recently said yesterday, <laughs> It seems like you have a lot of mild annoyances going on at once and I think that's a fair thing to say. I have been changing antidepressant medications for Woo-hoo! my to tre- treat my OCD. It gives me night sweats. This is some this is a specific struggle to when you're a hypochondriac it becomes increasingly difficult to tell whether you have like an actual health problem or it's nothing and you've made it up. Yeah. And so like I've had, I've noticed significant hair loss for the past three or four months. And because I'm such a hypochondriac, I was like, oh, I'm just like making up that this is an actual problem. Like this happens. It's normal. I was Googling it all the time, but I was like, I don't think I have any of this stuff like whatever. And obviously I felt embarrassed that we had just recorded the bald talk app and I was like, oh, I don't even know anything about balding. Meanwhile, it was happening to me. Um, Meanwhile, (laughs) it could happen to you and it happened to me. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is fine. But then like one night I noticed an actual bald spot and I was like, oh, fuck. Um, And so I went to a dermatologist then like. I so I go to the dermatologist and she recommends like I got blood tests done and I was I was hoping for her to be like wait you're like making this up you're a hypochondriac this isn't a problem but she was like oh yeah it's like substantial um balding spots and I was like okay well at least you're honest and then she ordered me to get blood tests and to do Rogaine, which I think is hilarious for some reason. <laughs> like the fact that, that I'm amazing. purchasing Rogaine. I imagine you hiding it like Aiden in Sex in the City. And then I also had to or didn't have to, but my dermatologist recommended that I try this supplement that was like super expensive. But obviously at this point, I'm trying everything. I used this uh, gift card from to Sephora that my aunt got me for Christmas and I bought Kerastase Shampoo. Oh yeah, I am a uh, lifelong Pantene, Herbal Essences, don't buy fancy shampoo person. But I bought this fancy shampoo. I bought these supplements. I bought these gummies for your hair. The dermatologist recommended we taking
2: fish oil, vitamin D. Are those all under the umbrella? So
4: those are all in my multivitamin. So I didn't think I needed to take that. Babe, but I, I, you got to take fish oil. And
2: I mean, I'm talking about the fishy fish oil supplements that are just full of fishy juice.
4: Yeah, I will do that because I don't eat fish, so I probably am lacking in that. But anyway, so I tried this, like, really fancy suff- supplement that was really expensive called Nutrafol because the dermatologist recommended it, and I was like, this isn't helping the debt that I'm in, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I, it made me so sick to my stomach. Like, Aww. I was, like, violently ill all day. Like, I never get stomach problems, but, like... So that's how I knew. I was like, this never happens to me. This is really weird. And then, like, because then she told me to try like just half the dose. And so I tried half the dose and I still got really sick. And the funny thing that I realized is that, like, I have never not had an appetite. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm like really sick to my stomach and I don't have an appetite. Like, and then I was upset because we got this ice cream delivered like this Jenny's ice cream. And I was like, so excited but I was like sick to my stomach. And so I was like, fuck, like I want to eat this. And I was like, I feel so shitty, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Like I just have to eat it anyway. (laughs) So I was like, he's violently ill, but eating ice cream anyway, which is not a great idea. So anyway, these are just like all these mild things. And then I've had really bad allergies and, um, I'm just like, everything is just kind of like, ugh, just stop. But the bright side, long story long, as my friend Tess would say, of this week has been that I babysat for, I mean, I I dog sat for my family's dogs uh, with my brother and my boyfriend. And it was so cute and fun because we were like then, normally like when my mom's here and my dad's here, they're like the alphas that the dogs are obsessed with. But suddenly we were. And so they like the dogs followed us everywhere. And like Eddie slept in our bed and like he's so cute. But I became increasingly like I like had psychosis from how obsessed I was with the dogs. And like (laughs) at one point we were watching um, this show, Your Honor, which on Showtime, which is really good. But spoiler alert, this dog got sick in the show. No, And like without realizing it, I leaned over to Eddie and said, we're always going to take care of you. <laughs> and like, I just constantly found myself being like, oh, what do you want to do now? Oh, you want to go down the room? Okay. Are you tired? Okay. You want to take it out? Oh, we're not going to take it nap right now. Okay. We're going to do this. And I was like, I am losing my, and like everything. My mom was like, you have Munchausen's with the dogs. Cause I, every five seconds I was like, well, Bowie's limping. And like, he just went to itch himself, but then he stopped trying to itch himself. And Eddie's been itching himself, like, pretty consistently, so I'm just concerned that, like, something's happening. I completely identify. I went to the dog park a
2: while ago before L.A.'s caseload blew up and, obviously, all social distance outside. But I realized that no one else in the park was talking to their dog like I was. Like, everyone was like, here, Biscuit. Here, Trixie, and I was like, "Hello, little girl, come here." Yes, I'm very cute. Oh, you like me so much. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I was like, I finally understood that I was unlike, like I am the girl in the dog park. All of a sudden, yeah, who is crazy? It's hard. Um, And it really gave me sympathy for the girl who I used to see at my old dog park pre-pandemic, who randomly would ask people to hang out with her. <laughs> she was like, "Hey, you want to hang out anytime? Could be fun." No? And I was okay. like, N- "I uh, not know, but no." How has your week been, Carol? It has been a fucking wild mess of a ride, and I and I really mean that. You know, I I'm not one of those people who's like twenty twenty, right? Oh my god, 2021 is going to be the same. No, I, I know. <laughs> I <laughs> had that are like the memes 2021. Are coming side eye. I really am already sick of the memes about how crazy these years are. But Starts of the Week was great. Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff won the Georgia runoffs, proving everyone wrong. I don't think anyone thought that was going to happen. I am always a radical optimist because it makes me too depressed to be pessimistic. I gave until it hurt to that race. Uh, My family wrote 300 letters. I got an absurd amount of swag that I thought I was going to give to my family members as Christmas gifts. But then I realized it's kind of an annoying gift to get is just like random politician swag. So I yeah. just have a bunch of Ossoff Warnock swag in my house. But, you know, you 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 kind of you you laid on all, all in the field, as some men say, and you see you expect nothing back, you know, especially in political races for the past four years. And to see them win gave me a lot of faith. My mom was very grateful that she had written so many letters. She wrote half of those letters. And, and it was a really beautiful night. I was just on and off crying out of gratitude. Oh, and then the violent coup happened in Washington. and I Oh, feared, that, right, yeah. that one. And um, that was pretty fucking insane and horrific. And then a loved one of mine tested positive for COVID that I had been exposed to. So I'm now in day two of my 14-day quarantine. But I drive by people on the street in LA who are eating without masks on and their servers are wearing face shields. It's what what's happening your server is saying that they don't want to die and you're saying you don't care if you're killing them
4: i know i i really first of all i'm so sorry that you and your family are going through this and i like hate on and judge people's covid behavior on social media but i've really been struggling with watching real housewives because i'm like okay like there's the part of me that wants to defend them at all times so i'm like okay i think they're being like really careless but part of me wants to be like but they're Okay, their family but they are getting tested. But I, the thing that I struggle with so much is like seeing them go into restaurants or outside restaurants and being served by these people who have to wear PPE and they are just like sitting there gabbing like blah, 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 blah with no mask on. And it's so fucked up. I understand our government has completely failed us and that small
2: businesses are taking a hit right now. Some of them aren't going to be able to recover. It's so unfair. It's so cruel. The cruelty is never going to be forgiven. You cannot make health decisions for a thousand people, which is what you're doing. It sounds insane, but in South Korea, they linked one person being COVID positive at a buffet to a thousand people getting COVID. That's cuckoo loco pants. So anyway, I'm very angry i'm very defensive very resentful and at the same time um i'm just feeling very lucky um that my loved one's symptoms aren't too insane and i think we'll get through it and um you know i it's really given me an opportunity to try getting into the real housewives franchise because i always feel like it's been sort of the
4: Grand Canyon between you and I. It has been a struggle. The The biggest struggle is like, yes, I have many friends who don't watch Housewives. Yes, I have family members who don't watch Housewives. But with you, it's been hard because I know you will love it. Like, that's the struggle is that I'm like, but I know that this is something that will bring you so much joy. So it's hard for me to like just watch you go without it like if someone has gone their whole life without therapy and like therapy would just give them so much joy and like free them of so much trauma right that's how i feel about you is i'm like but this is just right on the other side for you and also like what i wouldn't give what i wouldn't give to have unseen all of these franchises from episode one and get to see them for the first time again like when I first saw Real Housewives of New York I was in high school I didn't appreciate that when I first saw season one and yes I rewatched it a second time but I I would have appreciated it so much more if I could see it for the first time now as an adult
2: I'm going to start with Salt Lake City because I want to get in on the conversation
4: okay but just so you know it's not that good of drama yet
2: okay okay Well, I started
4: watching Atlanta last night from season one. Yep. Yep. I would like to rewatch Atlanta from season one. I have not rewatched it. I've only watched like a a first time through. So far, my favorite part is
2: Kim, who is the one white uh, star on the show. Her relationship with a a mysterious boyfriend named Big (laughs) Bob.
4: Yep. This was so many Kims ago. Like, Kim has become so many different people since this. And, like, I've gone through so many different phases of, like, hating her and then loving her and then hating her and then loving her. Now I think I hate her, but I still, when I watch her for more than five minutes, I do get swayed. And I'm like, wait, I actually think she's a good mom. I did identify with
2: her at one point, and it's not the way it sounds, but... She's buying, I think, an Escalade from Escalade, Escalade from a car dealership. (laughs) How do you pronounce it?
4: Escalade? Is it Escalade? Escalade. Come on. Escalade. You gave like a little, yeah, Hilaria twist to that. I have my baldunitos and my Escalade.
2: My family, my loved one who has COVID, um, they are from España. (laughs) And she's buying this huge SUV for $68,000 cash. Like she just writes them a check. And she's like, Is it the best? Is that a fair price? I don't know. But am I driving an Escalade off the lot right now? Yes. And it reminds me of the night that I bought my Prius, my used Prius, and I was just signing paperwork. I was like, I will pay more money to get out of here. Like I do not know what I am paying right now, I do not know the monthly charge I'm signing up for. But I yeah. am. I would rather go into debt, which is what I did, than um, try to figure this out.
4: I know. I've learned which is what so I much didn't. about tax from Real Housewives. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's what happened if you don't pay your taxes. I see now. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, you can just. Live as a rich person and it won't catch up to you till years later. Like a lot of them have no money, but they just like buy these giant houses on credit and then they're like, oh, I guess I'm going to jail because I didn't do that. Or as Teresa Giudice says, I just signed the papers. I just signed the papers. I didn't know. <laughs> I do identify. I identify with that. I really do. I do, I do too. I mean, I signed up for, I accidentally signed up for a $50 a month savage fenty subscription no. i have no i couldn't tell you how i made one purchase there and then i started seeing every month i was like wait 49.95 multiple months in a row and i was like oh i'm being defrauded like the first time i was like i'm being defrauded someone spent 49.95 at savage fenty on my card and then the next month that happened again and i was like wait what is this and it was like vip subscription oh no i was like what so then i had to call Chase and be like, so I misreported a fraud. It was actually me who's been spending $50 a month at Savage X Fenty. So fuck me, I guess
2: <laughs> I, I rise of a Maria Bamford bit where she was like, "Am I gonna sign up for a gym membership? Yes, am I gonna spend a hundred and ten dollars every month without going to the gym once? Yes <laughs>
4: like oh my God.
2: I did that once where I got a gym membership near my house and it was something like eighty dollars a month and then when I did the math later, I was like, I spent three hundred dollars for two trips to the gym and um, you know, and those trips were kind of like me on a sitting on an exercise bike looking at my
4: phone. Yeah, my body hasn't reflected those two visits. <laughs> I had a gym membership once in my life and I it was to David Barton Gym because there was a David Barton Gym fully in the building that I lived in. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll sign up for this. And it was like discounted because I lived in the building. Um, I went uh, three to four times and then I like forgot about it and then for months I was like so self-loathing like I just have to cancel this subscription like this is so crazy but I every month I just don't cancel it and but I like didn't ch- check my credit card statements I just was like every month I'm paying for this gym and it's crazy and then I called them to cancel it and they were like we've been out of business for a very long time and I don't know if you've noticed but like we are not in your building anymore there's like (laughs) an empty space and I was like haven't noticed and good to know thank you so much so yeah we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be right back with some headlines for the week
5: I want you
2: And we're back with True Romance. We have some headlines to go over quickly. I know it's been a while, but literally the only thing that we have been thinking about is um, the democracy hanging on by a thread. But we've finally gotten back into what really matters, which is Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde are now dating. I'm really happy about this. I think that every newly divorced or broken up Woman, any single mom deserves Harry Styles for a few weeks.
4: Yes, I agree. And I think he has like a bit of a thing for older women, which I think is attractive. So hot.
2: The only thing, the only thing I have against Harry Styles is the butterfly tattoo on his stomach. That's my only issue.
4: Why? I like that. The only thing that I have against Harry Styles is that he hit the brakes too soon and got 20 stitches in a hospital room and he started crying and so did Taylor and then when the sun came up um, she was looking at him I just think like why did he hit the brakes too soon like be careful Yeah, I know it's you're not used to driving on our side of the road but just be more careful and thank you because 1989 is one of the best albums of all time and he inspired it and like it just makes me so happy and I'll never forget when it came out, so
2: that was very much when he was still in his teeny bopper phase. I really love this really I mean he's never ever ever going out of style. I really love his style right now. I love the dresses, I love the necklaces, I love the sunglasses. I almost bought a beanie because he wore it, um, but then it was freakishly expensive, and I just couldn't justify spending that much money on a hat um I also want to get. I don't want to spend too much time on their newly found bliss because I think we also have an obligation to discuss Kim and Kanye's dissolution. This was coming for years and years and years. I really feel bad for Kim here, which I don't often, but she was in a relationship with a crazy person and they had four, they have four children together and I read that they just kept on... They they had kids that because they were trying to save their relationship.
4: I mean, I don't know if I've talked about my theory about her being asexual on this podcast before, have I? No, but she definitely is. Okay, so there was an empath on the podcast Bitch Sesh with Casey Wilson and um, Danielle Schneider. It's my favorite podcast. And they had an empath on to discuss, like his empathic views on the housewives and he argued that Erica Jane could be asexual because he said people who are so outwardly sexual, like abnormally outwardly sexual are often not truly sexual in their intimate lives. And that screams Kim to me because she is so like her whole brand is her sex appeal but at the same time like can you actually imagine her having sex I mean I know we've all seen the tape (laughs) but she didn't seem that into it and she was high and like I just remember there was this one time the time that sealed the deal for me was there was this episode where Chloe comes into Kim's bedroom Kim is laying in bed and Chloe's like what's up and Kim says Kanye and I just had sex like 500 times in a row That's what a 12-year-old boy says who's a virgin and watched porn once. Like, it's physically impossible to have sex 500 times in a row. And why would you say that as an adult about your husband? Like, that's not true. Like, just say, like, oh, I just had sex with my husband and it was, like, great. Don't say we just had sex 500 times in a row because that's not true. So I think she's asexual. She doesn't need sex. That's amazing for her. Congrats. I think she did love kanye as a person i i mean it's probably why she's so successful she's not held back by like wanting sex and i think that her and kanye did love each other as people but i think they had an arrangement in the sense of being married he rebranded her she rebranded him in many ways And the arrangement stopped working because he's unhinged and needs psychological help. And he's a Republican ploy now. So
2: I think a lot of people took advantage of his mental illness. I think indulging it in any way, Courtney, a.k.a. Courtney wearing a hat that said vote for Kanye. I was like, what are you talking about? This is a person who's having a mental break. You know, like I do think Kanye prior to losing his mind is one of the best rappers of all time, Has is one of the best writers of all time, is genuinely yes. so funny, so smart, so political. Let's never forget him saying that George Bush didn't care about black people during Hurricane Katrina and how I that know. at the time was controversial. And now, you know, while everyone's become more progressive, we just see how accurate it was. How was it accurate? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you mean? And I think... Wealth can make people insane. And I think the 100%. Car- the Kardashians' wealth is insane. I think it's not normal. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's necessary. There's a reason why I miss the earlier seasons. They were more human. They were more like human so beings. So great. Yeah. They were funny. And now, you know, Chloe's has had a face transplant. Uh, Scott is transplant. dating, you know, high school freshmen yep. and um, buying $60 million houses with them. And, we just have to act like all oh, this is normal. Mason is like going to have like a sneaker line in like two days and it's going to be a DJ um, and already like answers Instagram
4: lives, which I think is so funny. I love that so much. <laughs> He's wearing like Chrome hearts hoodies. Um, I love Mason. Mason for life. Mason I Team love Mason,
2: Mason, Mason more for than I
4: love you. Remember that line?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, yeah. Those are the seasons. Like, K- Courtney, come back with my baby. Yeah, um, yeah. Rob and Scott wrestling on a hotel room floor while Ki- while Chris, Chris is like is screaming, Scott, Scott, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Love live for it was really like the raw and dirty years. I mean, I'll never forget Kim getting drunk like for the first time because she never drank. I know. It's so funny. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, now it's just this crazy thing where they might be backed by Russia to run for president. Ivanka and Jared have been taking advantage of a mentally ill man to try and, uh, win their, you know, fascist president in another term. And, um, you know, things went down really quickly, really quickly. Yeah. Um, so I wish them all the best. I mean, Kim obviously has an amazing lawyer. Laura Wasser, if you missed it, she was on the pod. She's brilliant, fierce. I'm obsessed with Laura Wasser's Instagram presence. She posts like stuff. All- like this morning, she posted a bowl of trick cereal and was like, haha, who ordered this? Who says it's just for kids? And I was like, I love that you are the top divorce lawyer in Los Angeles. She also posted a picture of herself in uh, a really hot outfit and was like, Today, the opposing lawyer told me that I may be in a cuter outfit, but that they were going to win. And after the case was over, I said I was in a cuter outfit and I actually did win. And I was like, "Okay, you are the popular cool girl.
4: Yeah, she's amazing. And we are mere peasants. I am just going to say that I am glad we're moving towards the tell-all book phase of the Kardashians. We're getting closer and closer. The less famous they become, the closer we are to the tell-all books, and I'm looking forward to that. As am I. Before we get into our final topic for today's episode, we just wanted to give you all a little New Year's gift, which is another quarantine segment by our Quarantine correspondent Jesse Konevsky on a little Canadian masterpiece that
0: we all know and love. Take a listen. Hey guys, Jesse back again with your true romance quarantine report. One thing I have decided is a healthy way to cope with 2020 is to tackle some things on your to do list that you've been putting off for years. I felt long and hard about what it is I most wanted to make sure I accomplished this year, and that's why I'm proud to say I finally committed myself to watching all 14 seasons of Degrassi The Next Generation and four seasons, bonus seasons if you will, of Degrassi The Next Class. I feel accomplished, I feel proud of myself. I had seen most of them already, but now I know in my heart of hearts that I have truly seen every episode of Degrassi. I feel strong and empowered by this. If you're a Degrassi watcher, you probably like, hold up right now, what the F is Degrassi the next class? Like I said, it's four seasons that I consider bonus seasons of the show that were put on Netflix and is now considered a Netflix original teen series. I know, you're probably like, wait, Degrassi airs on Noggin or The N or Teen Nick, and that's on Friday nights, so stop with this Netflix crap. But let me give you a brief history of the evolution, and I'll try and keep this brief because Degrassi, it's a journey. It started in the 80s with the class that was like Spike and Snake and that whole crew. I really only know them as Emma's Guardians on The Next Generation. Snake eventually becomes Principal Simpson throughout the rest of the seasons, but otherwise we are going to respectfully deem that class irrelevant. Then you get into the more modern kind of 2000s Degrassi, where we get the class that we have come to know and love. you got your Spinner, your Manny Santos, Drake, who was put in a wheelchair by Rick, who also put Terry in a coma. A brief summary of some of the things those kids had to deal with, shootings, rape, drugs, sexual exploitation, eating disorders, gonorrhea outbreaks, stabbings, teen pregnancies, just to name a few things. There was this weird blip in the history of Degrassi where you saw some of those kids go to college, uh, like Emma and Marco and Ellie, and I feel very strongly that we didn't need to see their college experience and they could have kept that. After they left, some new kids started coming in, Holly J, Sav, Declan, Fiona, followed by what felt like the longest class of kids ever, Claire, Eli, Allie, Jenna, and of course, the popular jock, Drew Torres. This particular class is low-key my favorite, and I truly believe they attended Degrassi for about 27 years. While they dealt with a lot, it was kind of similar to our last group of kids, they just amplified it a notch. Um, some of the things they dealt with, which mostly were Drew and Claire, quite frankly. Um, gang violence, CTE, not being able to figure out who your baby daddy is, losing a baby, teen marriage, sexual harassment in the workplace, domestic violence, stabbings, death via texting and driving, transgender issues, addiction, kidney transplant surgery, cancer, bipolar disorder, homophobia, getting blowjobs in the boiler room at school, and much more. Okay. So now, if you've never seen the Degrassi episode, you're probably thinking that has to be it, right? No parent would ever send their kid to this school again, right? It seems like a horrible school and you're just giving me a very generalized rundown. You're wrong. People keep sending their kids to this school. Now we've reached the next class and our Netflix original class. We've got Maya, Zig, Tiny, Grace, Zoe, Tristan. There's a lot more. Let me tell you about just some of the things this group deals with squatting because you're homeless, gang violence, depression, suicide, sexing, drug abuse, sexual manipulation, cystic fibrosis, lung transplants, blatant racism, white privilege, terrorism, bomb threats, butt implants, cyberbullying, swatting, a school bus being overturned and injuring many students, including putting one in a coma, which is ironically, as mentioned earlier not our first coma on the show. What's nice about Tristan's coma, not that anything is nice about Tristan being in a coma, is that we actually see him come out of the other side of it, which we didn't really get to with Terry. So that's a thing. The storylines on this show are wild and far-fetched, and even the ones that aren't far-fetched have me screaming at my TV set. I'll be like, Zig, don't kiss Zoe. She's manipulating and calculating and using you to get back at Grace for not being a lesbian. But of course, he does kiss her, and he dates crazy psychopath Esme, and it's all gross. The wildest storyline I can remember happening in my high school was that one time this kid, we'll call him Toxic Chris, was dating this girl, we'll call her Lex, and she got another guy's phone number. So to make him jealous, he asked my friend if she wanted to go bowling with him. They went bowling. They had a very G-rated bowling outing. Then the couple reconciled, and we all moved on with our lives. It felt highly dramatic at the time, and even being in it feeling that tense drama around our friends that this was happening, not even close to what these Degrassi kids are dealing with. The storylines on Degrassi have so many plot holes and continuity problems, and over 14th season, there's so much repetition that it can very easily get boring. Like, oh God, another girl is pregnant. And above all else, Like I mentioned earlier, I can't understand how this school has not been shut down multiple times. I also don't see a support system in any of these kids' lives, even the ones who we don't get the backstory line saying that they live in group homes. There's just no one around these kids at any given time. All that being said, this is the Canadian soap opera of our lives and it took me on a journey I never thought I would complete. I'm thrilled to be on the other side of this mountain, and I proudly give it five out of five stars and will forever have nothing but respect for Aubrey Graham, even though I'm like five years older than him. Whatever it takes, I recommend watching the rest of Degrassi on Netflix. All right, I'm out. Wow,
4: that was that was some really groundbreaking journalism um, a lot of investigation, a lot of research went into that. And I am just grateful for people who seek the truth and people who focus on the facts the way that Jesse just did. So thank you, Jesse Konevsky, for that quarantine segment, Canadian edition. And let's get back to our show. Today on the
2: pod, we wanted to talk about a problematic love story. Devin, 500 Days of Summer. I just want to say this, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it. I remember when it came out. The year was 1994. No, I'm just kidding. I think it was 2009. Am I correct? 500 Days. Because I saw it in theaters.
4: I don't know. It is a 2009
2: American romantic comedy drama film. I loved it. I thought it was great. And don't worry, I'm gonna let you speak on this. But I thought it was actually really good. I thought it spoke to male narcissism. I thought it spoke to like fantasy and relationships and missing red flags. Everyone I met who had saw who saw this movie had an extreme opinion about it. So they either loved it or hated it. They either hated him, Joseph Gordon Levitt, or they loved him and thought he was so cute and they hated Zoe Deschanel. I really found it reflected the romantic life of whoever was talking. So this guy who was my f a friend of mine was kind of this um like curmudgeon, like short like guy who always felt like girls didn't look at him and he was like, She's the worst. I hate her. I hate her. And I was like, wait, do you just feel like she's someone who's like rejected you because she like rejected Joseph Gordon Lovett? Right. But I thought it like I feel like it's sort of uh
4: how do you say R- sarch test? Um, Cucumber? Uh, it's Rorschach test.
2: I Escalade? Escalade. Sorry, <laughs> that's how we pronounce it in España. Um, but... In España, we say Rorschach.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Devin, please go into, as you put down in our notes... The 500 reasons
4: why you fucking hate this movie. Okay, so I just want to make um, a brief statement. As they say in the Kristen Wiig movie, Welcome to Me, I would like to read from a prepared statement. And I'm quoting myself here when I say, 500 days of summer, more like 500 days of being an incel.
2: okay. It, it honestly needs so much work and it's not a joke. It's just how you feel right now. So the, okay. I, I, what I want to say is the anger comes through 100%.
4: Okay, so I saw this movie in high school also and I remember thinking it was good, but I also remember that I had no framework for love or affection because I no one had a crush on me and I, I had a hard time in school and no one liked me. So I was like, whatever, that, I guess this is what romance is like. Then I remember I watched it again A few years ago and I was like, wait, this is the movie that everyone was saying was so good. Like this movie is fucked up. It is fucked up. But then I was when we decided to do this episode, I was like, I'll rewatch it again because maybe I was going through a hard time when I watched that. Like it was after the 2016 election. Maybe I was like (laughs) being oversensitive. I rewatched it and I was like, yeah, this is actually so toxic and harmful. I can't even believe the only way that this movie is redeemed for me is if it's specifically supposed to be a parody of incels. Like, that's the only thing that would make sense to me.
2: Okay, well, first, we need to discuss the characters a little bit. So Joseph Gordon-Lovett is obviously a creative executive for a greeting card company
4: And I believe Zoe Deschanel is an artist. No, she's an assistant. It's a me too. She's the assistant. She just gets hired as an assistant. It's a me too. She gets hired as an assistant. And then immediately all the men in the office start talking about how hot she is. And I'm sorry, but I have to just read a conversation that they actually have after Zoe Deschanel gets hired. Is that okay? Yes, I'll go back and forth with you. So you be Joseph Gordon-Lovett. I'll be his friend. Do you see what I'm pointing to? Yeah. Okay. So, Joseph Gordon-Levitt stares creepily at Zoe Deschanel at work. Dude, I hear she's a bitch. Really? Yeah, Patel tried to talk to her
2: in the copy room. She's totally not having it. Well, maybe she was just in a hurry. And maybe she's an uppity better than everyone's super skank. Damn.
4: I know, she's pretty hot. That sucks. Why is it that pretty girls think they can treat people like crap and get away with it? Centuries of reinforcement you know what? Screw her. I don't care if she wants to be that way. If she wants to be that way, fine. So this is from an award-nominated screenplay, but it reads like it's from a subreddit where men explain exchange plastic surgeon recommendations and tips on how to murder the girl who said no to being their prom date. Like, this is not okay. That is actually crazy, and I can't believe that's really from the movie. This conversation is started because while she was doing her job in a copy room... A man tried to hit on her while she was doing her job, Who a man who was above her at her company, and she ignored him. And they're saying she's an uppity super skank and screw her if she wants to be that way, fine. Like, is this the 1950s? Is this Mad Men? Or is this like an indie hipster hit that everyone is like beloved? JGL is the nice guy. I love JGL. I love JGL. Zoe Deschanel is a fucking bitch, super skank. Like, no wonder there's incels. No wonder p- women get attacked and stalked. All right, and all, right all right, all right. Like, all right. literally. <laughs> okay, okay. Then, I- sorry. Also, let me just say that in the intro, they say that Zoe Deschanel is the average height and weight. And they give the numbers five, five, and one hundred and twenty-one pounds. One hundred and twenty-one pounds is not the average weight for a woman. Fuck you. It's
2: the average weight for an actress in Hollywood. Ah,
4: you motherfuckers!
2: When the movie came out as a trailer, it hadn't even come out yet. But the, when the trailer was uh, circulating, my friend called out. She was like, "Wait, are they supposed to be in love? Because she knows the lyrics to a Smith song. Because right. they're in the elevator." And he's listening to his janky 90s headphones where the music blares out. And she's like, oh, are you listening to the Smiths? And he takes off his headphones and he's like, what? She's like, to die by your side, what a heavenly way to die. And then walks out of the elevator and um, he goes, wow. So he's in love, which also reminds me, I had an experience at work the other day. (laughs) I'm sorry I had an experience at work the other day which a guy I did not know he was a actually a COVID testing guy who was helping clean the area where we were working to make sure nobody infected anyone and he looked up from working stared at me and just went a whole new world love and I went what (laughs) And he went that song stuck in my head you know a whole new world and I went oh And then we just stared out the window together, me not knowing what the fuck was happening and him saying, "Ah, anyway.
4: (laughs) I love that. That's so cute.
2: So I should have, when he left, I should have been like, oh my God.
4: He probably thinks you're a super skank uppity bitch because you didn't hit on him in that moment.
2: I didn't sing along to the Aladdin theme song with him.
4: Another conversation from this movie that is deeply upsetting is that so he's like, I hate her stupid skank, screw her. Then she says she likes the Smiths. And he, she said she likes like one of the same movies as him. And he's like, oh my God, she's not like I thought at all. She's amazing. She's a pixie dream girl. She's she's unlike any other girl because she actually has fucking interests and she's smart and she's funny. And girls are never like that. They're always super skank screw bitches. And I fucking hate them usually. And this girl's actually special. So then he like likes her. And then they are in the elevator again, at work people, going to work, a, a business place. They're in the elevator at work, and he asks how her weekend was, and she says it was good. And he takes from that, like, he presumes that she had sex with someone over the weekend because she said her weekend was good. So he gets upset and says, quote, it's over with Summer because she had sex with someone over the weekend. So, a.k.a. she's a slut. And all I have to say to that is, please... Please, sir, go to therapy, intensive therapy, reduce your harmful impact on the world. You are what is wrong with America. You are probably at the coup on the Capitol and fuck you.
2: If I met someone who liked Tracy Chapman's fast car as much as I do, which is a lot, I would be like, great, you have a working set of ears and a working heart. But I wouldn't think, oh, my God. This is the guy for me. Right. I just think it's weird that when people estimate other people based on music interest and you know Devin if like Matt did that to you like you guys probably wouldn't be together because you still listen to Selena Gomez's you know 2012
4: work. I don't think I've ever had matching music taste to someone I've dated because, <laughs> because my, that
2: would have been a 7th grade girl.
4: <laughs> it would have been uh, someone who is a member of the Camp Rock Superstans Facebook page and um, that's not usually men in their 30s. But yeah, I mean, I just, this whole thing is just like this guy having extreme reactions to anything this girl does. And it's very upsetting and scary. And she does seem like avoidant, but also like she has boundaries. She's honest with him. It's like we talked about on the Obama's Other Daughters episode like is it a fuck boy if you're or a fuck girl if you're being completely open and honest about like your boundaries like she's saying she doesn't want to be in a relationship and she doesn't like being in monogamous relationships and then they break up and she meets someone that she really likes and she gets married to him like this is another thing like there's this whole narrative of like women changing their minds are teases they're crazy they're liars they're Like all this stuff and it's like there was this storyline on Bravo Summer House last season where this girl had Paige had like made out with this guy in the house and then she like decided she wasn't into him and she started dating someone else. And all the guys in the house like freaked out and were like, you're a tease. You're a tease. Like you gave mixed messages. And she's like, no, I'm actually allowed to like make out with someone and then decide I'm not into it. Like, that's totally fine. Just like Summer is allowed to not be into relationships and then meet someone that is the one for her and decide to be in a relationship with them. Like, but in this movie, it's like, how the fuck? Like she didn't want to be with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then she wants to be with someone else. What a psycho tease bitch. And it's just, like, such harmful narratives that they're, like, promoting.
2: But don't you think they call this out later in the movie when he goes on a date with a girl and she basically talks to him about Summer? And she's, like, so she said she wasn't looking for a serious relationship. And she basically goes through all of these reasons why he is in the wrong. Because I feel like that was at least them being self-conscious. Or that was them having a conscious or giving him a point of epiphany where he realizes that he was the one who was driving this narrative of their relationship. And my favorite part of the movie is when he has a vision of how a dinner party is going to go and it's called reality meets expectations. So in the reality, her apartment isn't as nice as he thought it was going to be. The party isn't as glamorous and expectations. It's super fancy. They talk the whole night, just them two. In reality, she has, like, a boyfriend or a fiancé there, and in expectations, they're, like, making out by the end of the night. So I feel like that, at least for me, I could really identify with because, you. I mean, I don't have this experience anymore because I go into parties, ex- like, knowing exactly how much time I'm going to spend there, and I can't wait to go home. But I remember being in my early 20s, going to parties, and just having this vision for how the night would go. Right. And and my teens. I mean, God, I would like uh, spend more time getting ready than I would usually even spend at the party. Because I, I had that expectations, you know. And, and those were mine. Those were completely mine. The person who I was going to meet had nothing to do with them and didn't owe me anything. So I guess that was something I found interesting because he thinks that she owes him something. And, you know, when he goes on the date with that girl, she's basically telling him, like, no, she didn't.
4: Right. No, I do... I did write down like in my notes that I did relate to him at certain points. And I was like, am I an incel? Because like, I actually do relate to him sometimes. And I do like get the expectation reality thing. I do get being obsessed with someone and like not being able to handle that they might not feel the same way. And I do get like creating these narratives based off like one interaction. But I just think like they take it so far. Like it's like, if if a woman had written and directed this, it could have been self-aware like you're saying in a really funny way, but because it was like so male gazey and like Yeah, that's true. so male to me it just like wasn't it like it's like they needed to have comment on they needed to have commented on how extreme his views were. Like they needed right. to have commented on how crazy it is to call a woman a super skank because she won't flirt back with her coworker while she's making copies at her assistant job that's entry level and very stressful. And like he says something about like how women dressed right in the oh, 60s. Oh, number seventeen. Yeah, he says girls knew how to dress in 1964, and says who okayed the way women dress now? And how when women get tattoos and carry dogs in their purses, it basically disgusts him. And then Zoe Deschanel is like, well, I kind of want to get a butterfly tattoo, and he's like, ew, really? And having had a boyfriend before who, like, got upset because I got a tattoo, like, I went and got a tattoo and it was, like, a really, like, it was to celebrate um, a milestone and I did it with my friends and I was excited about it. And I just hadn't even thought to ask my boyfriend if that was okay because it wasn't up to him. It just didn't occur to me and we hadn't talked that day and it was, like, a split-second decision to do it. So I just told him afterwards and he was like, wait, you did that without telling me Disgusting. like, what is it of? And I was like, wait, you think that that has anything to do with you? Like, fuck you. Um. And so this just brought back that. But so I'm like, he's so antiquated and sexist and like. He's so flawed that if it was supposed to be a commentary on that, a lot more would have had to have been commented commented on besides like he's way too overly romantic and he fell in love right. when she said she didn't want to be in love. Like, no, he is like sick.
2: <laughs> like, Yeah, it should have been more like how she breaks up with him is sort of like on the fly, but it should have been more about how it isn't attractive when someone's in love with the fantasy of you rather than the you. I mean, I dated some guy who would tell me stuff like, you need to grow out your hair and you look so pretty Ew, in Ew, no, and, no. And it's something that still sticks with me because it was sort of my first formative relationship. And and I thought it, that was him like really being in love with me, but really it was him idealizing this version of me that I just wasn't, that wasn't me. And it was very controlling. And so, yeah, I think that, He's constantly upset, just like expectations meets reality that she's not matching this like version of herself that he's built out and i I mean also it's like how women dress like have you fucking looked at yourself like guys, yeah. I was watching The Godfather the other night, oh my God, Al Pacino so fucking hot in that movie, okay, but, wait oh. till you
4: get to Godfather part two and Robert, oh, yeah. young young Robert de Niro so insane, fucking insane. hot.
2: It's absolutely crazy pants. I could not stop looking at him. And they're wearing those pants and those suspenders. But looking at it, I was never like, oh, why do guys dress like this now in their T-shirts and their jeans? Because it's comfortable. And we've evolved as a society.
4: And because we weren't raised to think that we had any authority over men's bodies and what they do.
2: <laughs> yeah, Exactly. It's also funny because, I mean, you've spoken about this a lot before, but how women think rejection is totally normal. If I tried to hit on a guy in a copy room and he wouldn't talk to me, I'd be like, so he's so much cooler than I am. I would never be like,
4: whore! Okay, but also here's the thing. If you had said that, like if you had gone to a group of people and been like, oh my God, I just tried to hit on Richard in the copy room and he wasn't having it. I think he's like a super asshole douche. Everyone would be like, okay, so Caroline is crazy and she probably has a personality disorder and she's psycho cling, stage five clinger. We also
2: have to talk to HR because I think she's going to kill
4: someone. (laughs) Right. And it's like when men do it, like it's completely normal. And it's like, that's so, or, or when men do it, it's like, wait, they're so romantic. Like they wanted to hit on you when you were working. Like that's a compliment. And it's like.
2: I also want to talk a little bit more about Zoe Deschanel's character in that i was yes. thinking about the scene where she's making out with him in the copy room. Like, all of a sudden, she just turns around and makes out with him. And visually, it's a beautiful scene. Like, it's very quiet, and they're just kissing. And the, and my friend, the same guy who was like, I hate her, my friend at the time, when it came out, he said that he cried watching that scene. And I was like, I, that was another indicator that I was like, you're going through something that has nothing to do with this movie. But besides that, the character was so vacant, like nothing going on. I couldn't tell you one thing about her except that she likes the Smiths and she dresses like De
4: Chanel. I hated the way she dresses, and I totally agree. She's like the epitome of when men write women, like the even the manic
2: pixie dream girl. She's the manic pixie dream girl.
4: Even the karaoke scene, like she chooses this like cutesy like 60s song that no one's ever heard before and she has like a planned dance to it like it's such like a fantasy like she's like shoo shoo, shoo. shoo, 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 shoo. like doing this 60s dance and i was like this is not on an any woman i've ever met like any woman i've ever met is like really fun and would do like a fun song like total clips of the heart and have a really good time not be like a shoo 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 a shoo 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 and then like right after that They At the karaoke bar, they ask her if she's, quote, a lesbian or a man since she said she doesn't want a boyfriend.
2: Wow. I would be like, no, it's because I'm in quarantine from COVID.
4: By the way, the only other character trait that she has, besides liking the Smiths, is that she likes Ringo Starr more than the other Beatles, and they make it like a huge plot point. Like, he's like, you like Ringo? Nobody likes Ringo. I was like, does she have a family? Does she have... Where's she from? What, is, what? Like, anything?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, she speaks and just... Even that, like, sort of melancholy, like, hey... way that Zoe Deschanel speaks. Which, by the way, I think she's so charming. Like, that as an actress, I love New Girl. I think Zooey Deschanel's adorable. I love she and him. I'm all for her.
4: No, but none of this is her fault at all.
2: We are in defense of her, but they don't give her anything. She's It's the male gaze. She's totally seen through his eyes, and... And it seems like the more you would get to know someone like that, the more upset you would be.
4: Yeah. And I do think it's fucked up that she was like trying to be his friend after she broke up with him. I don't think that anyone who does the breaking up should initiate the being friends. I think that that's a very harmful move. So harmful. Um, So I think that was fucked up. And the fact that she like had him over to her house, um, And was like, oh, yeah, I'm engaged. Like, that's fucked up. But at the same time, like, I think the majority of women would not do that. And I think, like, this was just some incels vision of a woman that was like, and then she got engaged and she invited me over as if she was going to fuck me. And instead was like, I'm marrying someone else. Like, it's like, I don't think that happens often, but okay.
2: I love at the end when she, spoiler alert, is engaged and she's like, I... I fell in love because you told me that people could fall in love. And I knew you were right. And I was like, is that the gift? If a guy said that to me, I would be like, go fuck yourself.
4: I know. If someone broke up with you and was like, you taught me that I can love someone else better.
2: Exactly. I'd be like, well, can I have a wedding gift from you then? Because I certainly earned it.
4: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more True Romance.
3: I want true.
4: Welcome back to True Romance. Well, the movie ends with Lila Garrity from Friday Night Lights. What's her name? Mila?
2: Mila Kunis. No. No. It is Minka Kelly. Minka Kelly. When you name your kid Minka, you're asking for a hottie.
4: Yeah. So she's, in the end, the girl that comes into his life. And I just want to say she also stars in a movie on Netflix called The Roommate, where she is stalked by Leighton Meester. And I would recommend that movie. And I think that movie is less harmful to gender stereotypes than 500 Days of Summer. Okay.
2: That movie looks so bad. I have to watch it.
4: I love it. It's so, so the best part about that movie is that she, Minka Kelly's character is a fashion student. And the way that they like make it clear that she's into fashion is that she wears a fedora all the time. And she like walks around, and she gets into Billy Zane's fashion design class, even though she didn't sign up for it. Because Amazing. like as soon as she walks into the classroom, he's like, "I like your style. Like you can be in here."
2: What <laughs> kind of hat are you wearing? It's like I designed it.
4: It's a it's a pinstripe fedora. A fedora. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it.
2: Billy Zane getting cast in anything is already funny.
4: I know he had so much potential, and then. I don't know what happened, but I'm sure he's fine.
2: Well, I think that this whole story is a really interesting example about how romanticizing women or thinking of women as princesses or these magical creatures. Also, the flip side of it is that if when you're gravely disappointed that they're human beings, you can become a monster.
4: Yes, totally agree. And I think. That I don't really have a final thought, but I'll just say like, I'm sorry I got so activated about this. And sometimes I like really over villainize things that I don't like. So sorry if that's what I'm doing, but I just got really annoyed. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm so fucking sick and tired of like men. Just I don't know.
2: No, it's really hard. It's really. (laughs) I do have faith that there are good guys out there. I had two random experiences recently that were really both so bizarre and in their own ways funny one of which was I was watching a tv show and you can't really see the narrator's narrator's face in the show I hope I'm not like hinting at it too much anyway I was watching a tv show and I slowly realized as I was enjoying the show that I knew the guy who had made the show and I had actually hung out with him when I was like 19 and 20 and everyone in our crowd at the, in my crowd at the time, none of which I hang out in anymore were talking about this guy and they were like, he's a genius. He's so brilliant. He's so amazing. And I was like, I really don't see it. And he would do really obnoxious little hipster things like when we'd all be hanging out, he'd suddenly take out a notebook, write a few things in it, and then put it back in his pocket. And I was like, fuck you. Like, what the fuck are you saying about us right now in your fucking diary? He would also... Bringing out a
4: moleskin is a red flag.
2: I also have to say for his benefit that I was either stoned or drunk for these years, most of the time. And at one point I was at a party with him and I was really fucked up. And they said that everyone said they were going to go on the roof. And I said, where's the roof? Is it upstairs? And everyone wow. looked at me and said, yeah, the roof's upstairs.
4: I feel like that's something I would still say in sobriety.
2: I was so embarrassed anyway. Yeah. So I'm watching this show and I'm just thinking of all the times that I acted a sincere fool around this person. Like, Oh wow. He's exhibiting all this success. And yet last time I saw him, I was at a bar and he told me that he was having a miserable time. I was that awful mix of like angry and embarrassed. You know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh, this hipster that I always thought was kind of a joke. I literally referenced him on the podcast before because I think it was the London episode. And I was talking about being at a bar with a guy And when I asked him what he had been up to, he said, I've been directing commercials, but I'm first and foremost a storyteller. And when he said that, I laughed because I was like, you're not alone there, buddy. Um, And so I was angry and embarrassed, angered at his success because I'm selfish and also embarrassed because I was like, why? Like, if I ever saw you again, you would think I'm the same dumb 20 year old, 19 year old. So that was one of my experiences with But the truth is,
4: like, if he anyone who thinks that like anyone who sees someone from the last time they saw them was in high school or college. If you really think this person is still the same person they were in high school and college, something's wrong with you then. Like no one is completely stable, their best self in high school and college. And as I said to you, Carol, this is how I feel about all my friends. Anyone who doesn't think you are cool sucks like I don't want anything to do with them I don't care what their opinion is on anything because they are wrong about something so blatantly obvious and I wish I had felt that way I wish I had like really practiced that more in high school and college because I feel like I was still so insecure that I was like social climbing and stuff and I wish I had just been like no my friends are the fucking best and if anyone disagrees then like fuck you and you're wrong um, That's how I feel
2: about you yeah
4: so if he's, like, oh, that was that girl who, like, was high in college, then he's, like, a psychopath. Fuck him.
2: I'm sure he's, like, very nice. He just seems... I mean, it's so funny because I had a really big crush back then on this one guy. And, and whenever I think about, like, quote, unquote, the guys who got away, this one guy, I'll say his name is um, Hans.
4: Wait, that's <gasps> the name of our producer. What? <laughs> Oh my God! To Speaking guy. of Me Too workplace problems, <laughs> I'm gonna me-, me Too. Hans. Did you hit on Hans in the copy room, and he said no?
2: <laughs> I'll say his name is Hans. Um, no, I'll okay, say his name Hans is, is a
4: super skank because he did not give in to you hitting on him in the copy room.
2: I'm gonna say his name is Lars. I was, I remember looking at him, this guy across a bonfire one night, and we just made eye contact for the longest time, and he had been somewhat hitting on me. And I had a boyfriend. He had a girlfriend at the time. And so I was so charmed. He was so handsome. He does not have any social media because the world is trying to hurt me. But we just stared at each other from a bonfire. And I'm not being self-centered when I say, like, we we're both like, okay, this is something. And when at a party one night, I was dancing in a dance circle. And he was, too. We weren't dancing together. But his girlfriend walked up to him and tapped him on the shoulder and was crying and she was like you always do this when she's here and I was like wow I'm at the center of drama right now and so I've always thought of him as like the guy who got away because he was actually like really cute and really smart and really funny but then this speaks of 500 days of summer after watching this tv show and because all these guys sort of ran in the same crowd I looked Lars up online trying to sort of find him and I found an interview he did with this TV show guy and it was so pretentious and so annoying that I was like I do not know this person I've thought of him frequently at least once a year thinking about whatever happened to Lars like that one guy who I had this weird connection with at the wrong time and I do not know who he is. I just have this vision of him. Do you know what I mean?
4: Like you summered him.
2: I summered him. I do not know who he is. He could be a complete loser. He everyone has their own shit. You know, he has shit. And romanticizing someone inevitably sets us up for disappointment. Anyway, I'm definitely going to still stalk him. I don't know why I'm acting like I had some epiphany where I would stop.
4: I know. Yeah, I mean, I i Like had crushes in college and high school that I was like I actually am in love with this person and I can't believe the universe is working against us in the sense that I am actively having a mental breakdown due to substance abuse so they don't want to be around me and it's so unfair that that is the case. But looking back, I'm like I didn't know anything about these people. Like I completely made up everything I thought to be true about them, and a lot of them, like I saw a guy that I. Was into in college when I was like twenty something. I like saw him on the street and I was like, "Oh my! Like that's what you look like? Like that's you? What? <laughs> like no,
2: no." We also um, Devin and I went to colleges that were predominantly female, so every male looked so attractive. And I know we're having that experience where I would see guys that I thought like, "Oh, that guy's really hot," and then I would see him years later and be like. No, really. How fucked up was I those years because this is not the same. I, I <laughs> The same guy Lars. I mean, I just thought of it when you were like I was so fucked up. I the same guy Lars where I was like I have such a big crush on him. I think he feels the same way for me too. Once me and my friends went out with him and his mom and she was from Finland? Question mark. They were Norwegian or so it was somewhere in that area. And she gave us this sort of old Nordic drink called Fisk. And what Fisk is, is Fisherman's Friend, the cough suppressant and vodka. And me already having a drinking problem, never a stranger to blackouts and already nervous because I was in a group of new people thought, sure. I drink about a half a Gatorade bottle full of it. I blink and it's the next morning.
4: I know. Oh god, those are the worst nights. The worst.
2: Um, and so yeah, I I whenever I look back on those years, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm 30 and I'm looking back on years that I was literally 18, 19, 20 and I still have like this residual embarrassment. But I have to remember that nobody thinks about me except for you.
4: I don't think I I don't have the residual embarrassment anymore and I like I it just took years of therapy and and other types of self-work but I really don't have it anymore so if you're out there and you're like oh my god I got wasted and peed a stranger's bed and threw myself against a cement wall and saying I'm a slave for you by Britney Spears in a bar in front of people and danced in a blackout all things which I have done if you're like that was me and I'm so embarrassed just know that it's possible to be freed of that shame because i'm freed of that shame and i don't really know if i should be but that's how i feel
2: if you've ever you know walked out of the woods at a party with a stranger's dog on a leash if you've ever danced in front of a party and been the only one dancing to why is everyone obsessed
4: with the fact that we openly talk about peeing the bed by the way
2: i do not know why people are so obsessed with me peeing the bed i also I refuse That's normal. to believe that I'm the only person with a drinking problem and I couldn't stop pissing the bed. It was, I swear to God, if I didn't pee the bed as often, I would still be drinking. If I a eh?
4: if, if I didn't pee the bed or become a demonic monster where my friends said that your eyes physically change and you become a different person. If any of those things didn't happen, I would still be drinking.
2: If literally one person would hang out with me, um even when I was offering them free drugs and alcohol as long as they would hang out with me, I um would still be drinking and you know uh, also I I would including, you know, n- no bedwetting, you know, people liking me, um family being supportive, etc. But alas, that's not what happened and it's, you know, delivered me a beautiful life. I do Need to get over those years of embarrassment. I guess you just, you always, I think it's the same with social media and stuff. I want to present myself to people as I'd like myself to be. And so I always want to go back and tell those people, like, no, I'm different. I'm not like I used to be. And I live in that sort of weird frustration. And I also, but everyone
4: knows that you're not.
2: I always think of Tyler Posey. Do you know that guy? Yeah. He's best known from the MTV series Teen Wolf. And I, for some reason was watching a documentary about him and his former wife. And they were like high school sweethearts. And he said something to her, which was surprisingly wise coming from the mouth of the MTV's Teen Wolf star. But he said, I always wanted to be myself when we were friends and I had a crush on you. I just wanted to be myself around you because I knew that if I was myself, you would like me. And that's how I felt my whole life. Like if I can relax and be myself, I swear you'll like me and yet I will not be myself I mean embarrassing myself around celebrities has been like the past five years of my life and so I feel like then you get caught in like is that me is the real me like this nervous person who says the wrong thing always at the wrong time
4: well I have the same social anxiety as you but it manifests the opposite way where like I feel this exact same way but in when I'm nervous socially I just don't speak at all so like I'm like if I would just like be normal and talk and say something funny then everyone would know that I'm funny and normal but instead I just like sit there silently and like don't say a single word and it sucks but then like I think that's all just like me being reminded of high school and forgetting that I have like progressed so much and done so many cool things that I'm proud of and like um I believe in myself and I believe in you likewise I love you Devin okay I love you and thanks to our listeners and thanks to Jesse for another quarantine we will catch you next time on
2: True Romance
4: bye